Welcome to a podcast of a sermon delivered at the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood in New Jersey. Our congregation is a place where you will find inspiration in the richness of diverse beliefs and the power of community. Detailed information about the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood is available on our website, uuridgewood.org. And if you'll please join me in the words for lighting our chalice, they're printed in the order of service, but they are also here. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the glory of After the announcements and the energetic hello, I invite you to take a deep breath and to listen. Here in this quiet space, just listen. Can you hear in the silence how full this place is? Full of unique lives full of pain, full of joy, full of life. With each breath in and out, let yourself relax, no matter what was on your heart when you walked in this morning. Feel the humanity thick around you as you breathe. Feel your community surrounding you as you breathe. Feel love holding you as you breathe and listen. Welcome this morning as the weather has warmed. It is truly beautiful outside. Welcome to this house that is truly a home. In this home, we offer support in times of trouble. We listen, we commiserate, we feed, we drive, we love. In this home, we share joy in times of triumph. We laugh, we rejoice, we sing, we celebrate, we love. In this home, we make time for what matters most in life. We talk, we sit quietly, we give, we reflect, we love. This is a home because here there is real community, deeply connected, deeply intentional, deeply valued. This community is built and rebuilt each time we gather, each time we offer support or share joy or make time for depth. This community is built and rebuilt by you, each of you, and by every person who comes through those doors, bringing all of who they are and finding a welcoming embrace. This community exists, this home exists, because of the love that animates it, because it moves through and breathes through each of you. Love is what makes a house a home. Love is what makes a gathering a community. 
love in you, between you, all around you. It sustains us and holds us and defines us. So welcome this morning and every morning to this community, to this loving home. We're so glad you're here. I invite you now into our time for reflection, for quiet, for prayer and deep breathing. This time is important. It helps us remember that this is a place where we can show up hungry, not so shiny, in need, with pains and griefs, just as much as with joys and celebrations. This is a place that can hold us, all of us, as we sit side by side. So please find a comfortable position for your body. Close your eyes if that feels comfortable. Try to breathe evenly and deeply. I'll speak some words and then we'll move into our silence together. There's a reading in our hymnal. It has the phrase, All our lives we are in need, and others are in need of us. How true this is. As you breathe, I invite you to think with gratitude of those individuals and communities that have responded to your needs. Think, too, of those you have supported and loved in their time of need. Feel that circle of need and giving and loving. Give thanks for that circle as you breathe in the silence. Keep breathing deeply. It is a fundamental truth of our humanity that we cannot exist alone. We have needs that must be filled, and we have a need to give to others. Love animates the circle of giving and receiving. It is a truly wondrous thing what happens when we let ourselves ask for help, and when we offer to others all that we can give. May we find days, ways every day to give and to receive. May we find joy in being the one to offer the bowl of soup and strength in being the one that shows up hungry. So may it be. So today is a special day in the Christian calendar. It's Palm Sunday. Did any of you grow up celebrating Palm Sunday? A good number of you. So basically it's the day that Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey. The story comes in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. That passage reads in part, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the ground. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So that's the Bible passage that this, is, this day draws from. 
As a Unitarian Universalist, I did not grow up celebrating Palm Sunday. <clears throat> and the story holds a very different meaning for me than it does for folks who identify as Christian. Many will celebrate this day as the beginning of Jesus's end. With his entry into Jerusalem, the story of Jesus's death begins, culminating next week with Easter. But as with many stories, there's truth embedded, even if one does not believe in the grander theological claims that accrue to the story over time. Because nothing in that passage actually suggests that this day is important because it's the beginning of the end. What gets lifted up in that so small passage is, of course, the fulfillment of Jesus' claim that the disciples will find these animals, but also the reaction of the crowds. The disciples offer their cloaks for Jesus to ride on, but the crowds lining the streets put down their cloaks and branches so these humble beasts of burden can walk on them. They put down cloaks and probably palm branches because of Jerusalem's natural flora, and hence the name Palm Sunday. But they welcome him, this prophet and teacher and rabble-rouser, this bringer of love and a message of inclusion. They welcome him the way one might welcome a king, even though he's riding in on a donkey with none of the trappings of royalty, he's arriving this poor itinerant preacher. Last weekend when I wasn't here, I was at a conference in downtown Manhattan. The conference called Revolutionary Love is held annually at Middle Collegiate Church. This was the 19th year that the progressive liberal Christian congregation hosted this three-day conference. This year's subtitle was The Politics of Faith. Many speakers from many walks of life addressed the gathered group. Young anti-gun activists, a New York Times opinion writer, a blogger, so many more. Not only did the speakers come from a wide range of ages and professions, but also a wide range of religious backgrounds and commitments. Throughout, the minister of Middle Collegiate, the Reverend Jackie Lewis, held space for responses and she facilitated conversations. I had never been to this conference before, though many of my Unitarian Universalist colleagues had. And I had heard stories from my colleagues of transformative experiences, revelations, new perspectives adopted. For many, this particular conference has been a way into anti-racism work it has given many a deeper understanding of white privilege, a new vision of how to be religious in a multi-religious world. And I'll admit that I didn't have any moments of life-altering revelation while I was there. But that's okay. I did find the experience moving, thought-provoking, stimulating, and I walked away with a host of new books on my to-read list, pages of quotes I wanna share with you, and thoughts about the love that we talk about a lot here. You heard me talking about it this morning in our opening words. What is the revolutionary love that the conference centers on? What is the love that I talk about all the time? The one I say animates our lives and the love that we all need and that we all can give and that exists in us and around us. What is the point of focusing so much on this love with a capital L? The driving thrust of worship on the Sunday morning of the conference was answering that question, what is revolutionary love, appropriate given the title, and what Reverend Lewis preached was that God, as Reverend Lewis understands her, 
declared in the scriptures that God was going to gather everyone up. God declares that she's going to do something new, something revolutionary. The God of liberal Christianity is so good that everyone, even the atheists, Reverend Lewis said, are absolutely loved and will be gathered up by God. Reverend Lewis was, and she acknowledged this, preaching universalism. She was preaching a liberal post-Christian Christianity that embraces LGBTQ rights, is anti-racist, loves people of all religions, while acknowledging the limits of our human understanding. It felt very familiar. She was preaching universalism in a Christian church. But the context for Reverend Lewis's universalism is distinctly Christian. Her God is a loving God. Her God's universal and saving love is embodied in Jesus and the example of his living. And I came away thinking, there's a body of scripture, a series of stories, a way of looking at the world and at God through Christian eyes that can, with certain interpretations of those central truths, understand God as a loving God, the source and example of love. Our universalist forebears who were persecuted for it did that. They were Christians, and they believed in Jesus and God, and God as so loving that God would gather up everyone, and in the end, all would be made right, renewed in God's love, just as Reverend Lewis was preaching. But for many of us, contemporary Unitarian Universalists, we don't take the path to centering love that the Universalists of yore took. Many of us who don't consider ourselves Christian, who don't center Jesus or the Bible or even any concept of God, it's different for us. And I started to wonder, as I sat there listening to her preach, I started to wonder if love with a capital L is a harder sell in our congregations, despite our universalist ancestry, because I can't point you to biblical stories that you hold dear and then reinterpret them with animating love to convince you. I can't point to that central story of a man who entered a city knowing he would die, but who did it born of a love that teaches us to love. I can't stand up here and preach a creator God who so loved the world that God made God's self vulnerable to all the joy, but also the pain that being human brings. I can't reinterpret the stories and sources at the heart of your meaning making and convince you because we don't share all the same stories and sources at the heart of our individual meaning making. But I do stand up here and I do preach that love with a capital L. And I feel honestly like love has been at the center of a lot of my preaching this year. You may be feeling that too. Usually without mentioning God at all. Certainly without talking about Jesus or scripture. But when I preach that love, for me, another word for that, if I'm totally honest, is God. It's not the God of traditional religions, and I really want to try to explain it this morning and explain what I actually mean, and I want to start with a story. The other night, I was singing the twins to sleep, and they asked for our hymn, We'll Build a Land. They asked for it a lot, and you may remember the chorus of that hymn. It begins, come build a land where sisters and brothers anointed by God may then create peace. Not for the first time, and I'm sure it won't be for the last, they asked what God means. I like the word God, I use it, I'm teaching my children to use it, but my answer was very imperfect. God is love, I said, 
God is that warm sensation you have when you feel safe and secure and happy and held and loved. God is that feeling that things are going to be okay even when they're hard. God is love. And one twin, Caleb says, you're God, mommy. <laughs> and the other one goes, Bodhi, he goes, I God you, mommy. <laughs> and I was, I was smiling at their still literal ways of understanding. And I reiterated what I had said as a sort of a gentle correction. They're about to be four. But I also realized they weren't wrong. There is something of the sacred and divine and loving in me just as there is in you and in them and in every single thing that is. I, with my words, my listening, my body, my being, I have the capacity to make others feel that safety and security and warmth. All of us do. All of us are indeed, in my way of using this word, God. And yes, they God me. <laughs> If God were a verb, it would mean exactly that combination of needing and being grateful to and sometimes being super mad at and wanting to hold and being made to feel safe by and just loving. And I God them, sometimes not well enough. Sometimes I fall short on offering my best self to those I love and to the world at large. Sometimes I don't embody enough the love that I know is inside of me. I'm not alone in this. Most of us don't embrace our divine, sacred, generous, miraculous, wondrous, loving selves enough. And most of us don't recognize it in others enough. So my God is not the God of scripture. It's not the God of heaven or of Jesus or salvation through crucifixion or of the prophets or of the flood. It's not the God of improbable miracles or history as recounted in scripture. I don't believe in a loving God. I use that word God to actually mean love. So in my theological understanding, God is love. It's the love that exists between us, and that love is a very real thing that happens between humans, between humans and animals, between humans and this earth. Love is a real thing. My God is the God of salvation through loving forgiveness and starting again, of Human miracles affected through loving action of the betterment of the world through deeper loving that leads to deeper understanding and ever-expanding circles of community. Love is real and powerful beyond measure, and we know this. We've all had cause to experience it, to know love in our own lives. We know its power. We know its capacity to save us and heal us and help us. Reverend Lewis can preach to her congregation that you are always surrounded by love because an omnipotent and omniscient and eternal God loves you. It doesn't work that way for us here. It may for some, but not for all of us. And yet I preach all the time that love is all around us, holding us. I say it all the time, you are loved. You are loved always and in every moment. But what does that mean if it doesn't mean by God? It means you are loved by the communities that hold you, the relationships that sustain you, by the forces of creation, of life and perpetuation that keep this world evolving and moving forward. It means you are loved by me, by each other. It means that at any moment, every moment, you can be the love. Others can be the love. And whether or not you like it, 
all the time, you are connected to existence. You are part of something larger than yourself. And that something is infused with a positive force of being, a love that pushes all of us and this earth forward. But we forget that. We forget that we are connected. We forget that we are loved. We forget that those connections and that love are made more real and deep and true by our intentional living, by our risk-taking, by our commitment to being actively part of their expansion. Reverend Noyan writes about pushing herself to go be with her community even when she knew she wasn't bringing her best self. She shows up hungry, in need, wanting, and when she walks in, she gets the warm soup, the song, the care, the love. She shows up less than perfect and worried that she will need too much, and she's met with welcome and open arms that meet her needs. That's love, right? How often have you said to yourself, I won't ask for that? Or I better not voice that desire because it will seem too much to someone. How many times have we thought we needed to arrive only as our best selves? How many times have we been afraid? When we take our broken selves and lay them bare in communities like this one, that ground themselves in care, we're met with love for even that which is broken, which is less than perfect, less than shiny. We show up on a donkey and we're met with palm fronds to line our way as if we had arrived on the finest horse. This is a place to practice what it looks like to arrive in need, broken and imperfect. But we have to go beyond doing it here. Yes, practice here, don't stop. Here where you can be relatively assured that you'll be met with love. But we have to live these intentionally connected ways beyond our walls. It may seem silly in a sense that borrowing sugar should be so important or talking about the weather or loaning out a drill but these are small moments of safe need, of showing ourselves to each other. They're small moments of creating connections that allow kindness and compassion and generosity and love to shine through. When we make ourselves vulnerable, when we voice a need however small, we give others the chance to care for us. When we make ourselves vulnerable, we're embodying our imperfectly perfect selves that need love. In the Christian story of Jesus, that's what Jesus is. God made vulnerable in an imperfect human form that has needs and that loves. When we make ourselves vulnerable, we offer others the chance to give, to fill those needs. We offer them the opportunity to show love, but we also model being in need. So that when the inevitable time comes that they have need of us, they will know we're a safe place to expose their needs. When we intentionally create community and connection, even through small brief moments, we are godding each other. We are recognizing the power in each other, the love and the holy and the strange and the wondrous. And we are being love in action. We are loving each other. Those moments of loving each other increase the love, which means they increase the healing and the holding and the committing and the connecting and the effort. That graphic is not wrong. When the fabric is torn, it isn't strong. Our social fabric has frayed because we have isolated ourselves from each other. We aren't doing a good job of loving each other. And when we don't, the thing that binds us gets forgotten and things fall apart. 
every little step of loving each other, of intentionally living deeper into our interconnectedness, every little moment of godding each other helps us restitch the social fabric. It helps renew everything. So I'm asking you to give it a try. The graphic mentioned that researcher who had one group make small talk on the trains. I want you to intentionally share a need or help fill someone else's need this week. Do it more than once, actually. Intentionally make yourself an integral part of the fabric this week. Make someone recognize the God in you. Make someone know you love them. Give someone else the chance to help you. Borrow sugar or the drill. Chat about the weather with someone online at the grocery store. Renew the basic foundation of gentle, significantly insignificant human interaction. Lay out the palm fronds and offer the soup to someone who comes to you with all their human frailty. Let yourself be you, all in on your own humanity. It may be imperfect, it may be broken, but there is wholeness and there is truth and there is love in showing up just as you are and in loving people just as they are. We have to recapture, lean into, live the truth of that love with a capital L if we're going to rebuild our society, reconnect to our deepest hearts, to our fellow humans, and to this earth we share, if we're going to reimagine the future. We don't need to share a theology or even a language of God. We don't have to share a belief in scriptures or a commitment to centering the same stories. Love goes beyond all of that. It's knowable in you, in me, in everything that is. It doesn't matter if I call it God and you don't. It matters that we center love. Let it guide our choices. Let it breathe in us and through us. It is what will change and heal us and change and heal the world. So may it be. Please remain standing and join in the words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame. until we are together again. As benediction, I offer you the wisdom of almost four-year-olds. I love you. You are love. Go out into the world, borrow some sugar, reconnect, be the love. Go in peace.